I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Today, we are joined by another exciting guest, Leah Forrestal. Leah is a private practice sports dietitian located in Massachusetts, and she specializes in outdoor sports and sustainable weight loss. She completed her nutrition degree at Framingham State University, where she is now serving as the campus dietitian. And in her free time, you can find Leah out hiking, of course, as she is the hiking dietitian, um, or making fun TikTok videos debunking nutrition myths. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Leah Forrestal. Leah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Oh, we are so happy to have you here. Um, so with Leah today, we're going to go into, um, sports nutrition and specifically we're going to go over like outdoor and performance events. So kind of a new twist today. We've had a few other sports RDs on, but no one's talked about this kind of stuff yet. So we're excited. Um, before we get into the juicy stuff, Leah, walk us through kind of like a day in the life, what you do for work, education, hobbies, all that good background stuff. Of course. Um, so I am technically a university dietitian by day. I work at a small local university here in Massachusetts. And then by night, I am a private practice dietitian. And that's when I see those sports nutrition clients, um, you know, kind of a mix of them. But that's pretty much, you know, to it in terms of a day in my life. It's not nothing too particular, um, you know, outside of work. Obviously, I, I love hiking. You guys probably already know that, um, you know, typical day by day stuff. Um, make TikTok videos in my free time. Um, you know, in the winter, I like to snowboard, but no, typically it's, you know, a normal day for me is waking up, go to the gym, get ready for work, go to work. Number one, come home, see clients, work number two, and then spend some time with my boyfriend, hang out for a bit, um, get, get chores done, things of that nature, but nothing, nothing too exciting. We can relate to that hardcore, can't we, Emily? It's yeah. just like <laughs> the double life. <laughs> Day job, night job, go to sleep, repeat. <laughs> Very yeah. much, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, cool. let's get into the good stuff. So to kind of kick us off, I kind of said outdoor performance events are like the topic of the day, but what does that mean? What are some examples of outdoor and performance events? Yeah, so outdoor sports nutrition, you know, it can be, exactly kind of what you think it would be you know we have those typical things that kind of would overlap with a typical sports dietitian because basically anything that can be done outside kind of falls into that realm so yes things like running and marathons can obviously kind of fall into that but I kind of like to think of it as you know a step more into a complexity where it's very niche very um, individualized and specialized and you know we have those different things that kind of fall into it so yes we have running, but then you can kind of take it a step further. We have, you know, ultra marathons, which is another whole ball game where you're kind of focusing on things like elevation that might not be in that mix. Um, you know, you could do rock climbing, skiing, snowboarding, 
Um, obviously for me, I, again, I'm a hiker. So that is a huge one for me and working with hikers and things that, you know, you might not think are important, but later on end up becoming really important. And even with hiking, you have, you know, you, yes, you can go on, you know, a nice six or seven mile hike, but then what happens when you get those hikers that are going on those, you know, 18, 24 mile hikes in one day, how does your nutrition kind of play into that? What about those hikers that are now backpacking? You know, maybe it's a weekend backpack trip a week. Maybe it's, you know, an Appalachian trail through hiker where they're out there for six months. Obviously nutrition is going to be huge when it comes into that and kind of looking at those different things that fall into that. That's so cool to me. And like, I also love hiking, but I've never been one to like go past like backpacking and stuff like that. But it's, it's such a crucial part of I feel like a lot of people don't really think about that. Like they think of like hiking, like, oh, I'm going to go for a couple hours up a hill or a mountain, but they don't really think about kind of like packing the snacks and you don't have access to a refrigerator. I guess, I guess maybe you could bring a cooler. I don't really know how all that works. <laughs> maybe if you're like setting up camp, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really cool. And it's awesome that like you're able to work with so many people with that specific niche because there are so many aspects of sports nutrition, performance nutrition, also just outdoor, so many outdoor activities and whatnot. And And a lot of people too, they don't think of it right away until they kind of see this sort of thing. And there you go, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, maybe this is actually something that I could benefit from. Um, And again, Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about like hiking and things of that nature. Yes, we have that performance aspect of it. And, you know, you see this with anything from pretty much any of the outdoor sports, how, you know, how does nutrition actually fuel you? How can, you know, how can this go and translate into a new PR? Can you, you know, is this going to help me hike an extra few miles? Is it going to kind of get me out of that bonking? Cause that's another whole thing. But then it also has that safety aspect to it too, which people tend to forget a little bit about. Um, and this obviously falls, you know, you hear a lot about it in terms of like hydration, you know, what happened? Like, can you pack enough water? Do you have a water source? How do you go about, you know, preventing dehydration on the trail? Because you know, that can ultimately, I mean, worst case scenario lead to death. Um, but you see the same thing with food as well. You know, if you don't pack in enough and you underestimate it, what happens when you are, you know, eight miles in, but you still got eight miles left and you're stuck out there. What if you don't have food? Are you going to actually be able to make it? Or are you now you're putting yourself in danger from bonking out or whatever it is. Um, so there's a lot of different things that kind of fall into it that people quite literally just don't think about until they're either kind of in that situation or, you know, maybe they see someone like myself on social media talking about it and they kind of put those two and two together and actually, um, you know, start to implement those sort of things. Yeah. That's such a cool niche. I have like, like I said, like I, I know lots of sports RDs and it's usually like college or like, um, maybe like professional athletes and that kind of thing, but you don't think about like, not that it's all recreational, but a lot of times like recreational, like hiking and marathons and that kind of stuff. That's just so neat to have yeah. that specific niche. Yeah. I, you know, I work with obviously athletes at the school too, but it's two completely separate things. I like to think yeah. of it, you know, I can go, I, I recently had, you know, I worked with the baseball team at my university and we kind of talked about all those things that you would fully expect from that, but this is totally separate from that. And like I said, there's so many different different little things involved, especially once you start getting into those longer duration periods. Um, sidebar, I live in Indiana where it's just flat, like no mountains anywhere. <laughs> what is, so I'm not much of a hiker. So what is bonking? I heard you say that a couple of times. 
Yep. So when you think of bonking, and this can be, you know, I, I've heard of this term even in, you know, other like endurance sports and stuff like that. But it's kind of if you were to picture yourself, you know, you try to fuel, you go, and then all of a sudden, like you hit that wall where you're just, you know, you're done. Um, that is kind of the best way to describe it. So this usually happens from underfueling and not being able to keep up with it. Um, and sometimes, you know, this can happen on a single day hike for some people. Maybe this is someone who is out there through hiking and they just didn't prepare appropriately and they underfueled. And typically underfueling in this kind of setting too is not intentional. Um, you know, most people don't go into it like being like, I'm going to see how little I can eat while I'm going out there. It's they think they have enough and then they're complete, they completely undermine the situation and they underestimated totally the amount that they might actually need. Cause it's a lot. Um, you know, I even going back to kind of like the baseball team I was telling you about a lot of those students, and this is just students who are out there, you know, with a few hours of baseball practice, maybe a lift session here and there. A lot of those students in order to maintain their weight, even are eating like 4,000 calories a day, which is a lot. I, you know, I am someone who doesn't have to do that, thankfully, but I know that, you know, going into that, you know, it's not easy to consume that amount. Um, and now if you take something that, you know, if you're out there on the trail even for 10 hours and think about how much in those 10 hours, you're pretty much moving. You'll have like rests here and there to actually sit down and like eat something. But most of that time you're on the go. So even 4,000 calories in that situation, you still need way more than that. Um, and if you're actually you know, when you think of movement and being in the process of it, you also have that barrier of low appetite, which happens a lot more frequently than you would think as well. So it's kind of putting two different challenges together, which can then go and lead into something a lot more serious, um, or at the very least something that, you know, isn't going to benefit them to the way that they would want it to be. Yeah, I can see how underfueling would happen all the time, because we live in a world where like, 1200 calories is like the magic number. And like, that's nowhere near like what you need if you are like spending yeah. all day on the trails. Like, and it can seem pretty wild to think like I can eat 4,000 calories and like, that's going to be what my body like wants to use. So I could see how under feeling would just happen all the time, pretty unintentionally. Yeah. And you have to, another thing too, is, you know, a barrier there as well, especially going back to the hiking, you have to carry that food too. And this is the issue, you see this a lot with hydration where people are like, I don't want to carry more than a liter on me because it adds weight and weight makes it a lot more difficult the further and, you know, further you're going. And it's something that a lot of people don't want to deal with. So it's maybe they'll go and find, you know, some people will carry that water filtration system or maybe, you know, I hike a lot in New Hampshire We where, you know, we have huts, you can go and they'll have water there in the summer and you can kind of plan your route to refill if needed. But it's the same thing with food, you know, people, especially now where like lightweight hiking and ultra light hiking is kind of becoming more popular, people don't want to carry that weight. So now there's that balance of, okay, do I try to go as light as possible? And, you know, fingers crossed that I bring it up with me or, you know, can I actually go and be like, all right, well, where can I get the most calories in, in the lightest weight possible? Um, but it's a balance there. And, you know, a lot of times for some people, it just takes trial and error as well. Um, but all, all small things to think about that people tend to forget about. That's actually a really good segue, I would say, into, uh, I was going to say, I feel like yeah. you're already delving into the next topic. 
Well, I feel like we kind of already answered like the importance of nutrition. Like we know we got to eat enough before and after. So I say we get into like what the heck to actually eat. So let's start with before, like before you do an event. And I don't know how you want to split it up, Leah, if you want to do like certain events or like just in general, but kind of walk us through like some different pre-workout nutrition recommendations for these types of activities. Of course. Um, so pre-workout, I always kind of say this is probably the most individualized as you're going to get because how people handle food before what they're doing is very much depending on, you know, what their body is used to, what their body can handle. Um, you see this a lot with people who, you know, you guys have probably experienced this yourself or heard of people when they go, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. People like, I don't know. I don't like to eat breakfast because I feel sick if I eat something in the morning. You get this a lot of people who work out too. I don't like to eat a lot beforehand because if I do, I feel weighed down. I feel you know, I get stomach cramps or, you know, maybe it leads to bathroom issues later on that they don't want to deal with. Um, so this is something you see a lot of, and this is where one kind of practicing comes into play. I always say, you know, the same way you would train for something, you got to train your fueling as well. Cause you got to get used to it. Um, but it, with this, it, you know, there's no right or wrong. I always say kind of, you know, if you can get something in three to four hours beforehand, that's ideal. In most cases, especially with these longer distance things, so like, you know, someone who's hiking, they might be up at 5 a.m. and starting. So, you know, for them, they're not going to go and have something three to four hours beforehand. You know, if you could, just getting in a basic meal is going to be sufficient. Getting it the night before, if you can. But kind of focusing in then on that right before, you know, that 30 to 60 minutes. Typically, I tell people some sort of simple carb is always the best thing. And this kind of translates into like any sports nutrition recommendation. Um, I would say in terms of like outdoor sports, the intro workout is probably the most complicated and where we kind of dive in a little bit more. Whereas, you know, that pre-workout, it's, it's very similar to the rest of it where, you know, okay, let's kind of take into consideration, you know, what you're doing. You know, obviously, if somebody is, you know, snowboarding that might be a little different than someone who's about to go run a marathon and they're the intricacies of okay what is that intro workout going to look like you know how how often am I going to be able to fuel how frequently like am I going to be able to stop um all those things are also going to play into it um but for pre-workout it's it's simple it's a simple carb so this could be anything from you know I, I love applesauce that's a big one for me because it's something that's really easy um and I know I, I throw this into even the intro workout where you can buy them in little pouches and it's really easy to kind of take it on the go you don't have to stop it's something that's you know accessible whereas you know you could also do things like fruit is an easy one um for people who have I would say like more stomach issues having some sort of liquid carb is going to be beneficial. So maybe this is a sports drink. Maybe this is juice or something like that. Um, but most people don't need to overcomplicate that, that pre-workout. Um, for people who are going to be going and burning a lot of calories. So again, those hikers, those marathon runners, that's when I kind of suggest trying to get in a little bit more if possible. So maybe you go with a piece of toast with some banana slices on it you can try to get a little bit of peanut butter on there that's going to help however that again is going to come back to you individually how you handle a little bit of fat in that meal how you know did you practice it again so all those things play into it i uh, that's such you made such a good point about the inner intra workout snack yep. i completely like forget that's a thing sometimes 
Um, but I feel like you gave a really good example of where like, yes, it comes down to a lot of like individualized and that's why it's important to work with either like either test it out yourself, but dietitians are also really nice. Exactly. Yep. Resources, especially sports dietitians are really great resources for that as well. We actually don't have a section on this plan for you, but I would love if you talk about kind of the structure for like intramural or intra workout eating occurrences, kind of, I guess, like the importance of those and then maybe examples. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's, we're going to use hiking for example, probably go back to that a lot because that's something again, that's super relevant to me, but if you, you know, last June I hiked Katahdin, which is the very end of the Appalachian trail that hike for us took about 10 hours. If I had only focused on the pre-workout and the post-workout aspect of it, that would have been 10 hours with me not eating. So not only is that just one, not, not great for performance or, you know, energy levels, my safety, any of that, but even just thinking of the grand scheme of keeping those calories up, that means I would have had to, at some point later on in the day, made up for all of those calories burned, which I don't want to do, probably can't do. Um, And it's something that if you focus it and you plan on it for, you know, like I said, your day and kind of incorporating it into the middle of things, it will make things easier. Um, so I always say with this, when we talk about that intro workout and consuming calories in the middle of your workout, obviously this is going to be more important for those people who have long workouts. So if you are working out less than an hour for whatever it is, maybe you're only going rock climbing for an hour. You don't really have to worry too much about that. It's once you start getting beyond that. So that one to three hour range, typically we would recommend about 30 to 60 grams of carbs per hour, which even that's a lot. But once you get higher than that, it becomes even more. So that um, three hours or so plus every hour would be about 60 to 90 grams of carbs. So if you're thinking about that, that is a lot. So that's really when we kind of come into thinking about, okay, what are some really high carb sources that we can consume easily. Sports drinks, those fruit gels, um, really what it comes down to is sugar. And this is something that's, again, kind of hard for a lot of people to grasp because they think of it like, okay, well, I thought I was supposed to be cutting back on sugar. Like, how do I do this? And that's when they're usually surprised when I say, we don't, we're going to incorporate it. If, you know, this is the perfect time. If you want those Sour Patch Kids, throw them in your hiking pack because there's no better time for you to consume them. Your body's actually utilizing it. It is everything you could dream of and more like incorporate it. Let's, you know, try to remove that, that mental block where you're, you feel like, you know, for instance, what diet culture is going to tell you about how you shouldn't be consuming certain things and reframing that thought process of being like, okay, well, how are these things actually going to benefit me in what I'm doing? But a lot of carbs basically is your, your middle of your workout. Um, I know at least for me, like you should be consuming some other things in there as well. So fat, obviously you're going to get a lot of calories. in. so if you can get some of that in, it's going to be easier on you. For people who are hiking, this usually isn't too much of a problem because you can sit down, you can take breaks. People who are racing, this isn't something they're probably going to do. So it's just one of those things that you kind of balance out. Same thing with protein. You can incorporate some sort of protein source. So whether that's something like beef jerky on the trail um, or bringing a sandwich, it's easy enough. Trail mix, stuff like that. But incorporating it in, finding that time, like I said, it it totally depends on, on what that sport is. 
because like I said, if you are, if you're someone who's running, you're not going to get those breaks in really. It's going to be a lot of those, again, those gels and things that you can, you know, you've seen people doing it where they like, they're running and they like take it and, you know, they throw it to whoever or whatever. Um, but yeah. And I would just like love to, this is unethical, but like watch someone do a marathon, like on the keto diet, like the amount of gluconeogenesis going on there would just be mind boggling. (laughs) And I'm sure people have done it, but I think that really comes back to that point of, you know, there's a difference between can you do it? And is it optimal? Right. Um, You know, those people, it's like, yeah, guess what? You can, like, I could go and hike and not consume. I could eat nothing and still go and do it. It's just going to be miserable. I'm not going to be performing my best. Like I said, in that kind of situation where you kind of can't bail, obviously there's that safety risk, but not everything has that safety risk. I, I would bet money on the fact that somebody, there are definitely keto runners out there. Probably. Um, you know, I'm not going to say there's not because I can guarantee that there are. And they probably find ways to make it work. But if you wanted to, you told that person that you could find ways to make it work with those carbs, they'd probably be surprised that if they put that same energy and effort into it, probably would be doing better they would probably be hitting better race times speed would probably increase so on so on yeah you're so right about how it seems like it's a lot of carbs like if you're used to that diet culture mindset of like as little those as possible it can seem like a lot if you're someone who does these types of event of events and needs like actually a ton yeah and you have to think too is even when we're, we're talking about like under fueling Underfueling leads to obviously a whole lot of complications, but if we're going to talk about speed, you know, there is, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but for, you know, dehydration, for instance, X amount of dehydration in your body leads to speed loss. So all of these different kind of go into it and the people don't think about it. However, you know, that nutrition, that, you know, fueling plan that you have is going to translate into all these different areas that people probably don't even think of. I believe it. I totally believe it. Well, let's get the last part of workout nutrition out of the way here. So tell us about post-workout. What kind of goes on there? So post-workout, I always say number one, just calories, get in what you have lost, kind of trying to figure it out. Um, you have two different aspects to this. You have obviously hydration, and then you have actual food. Um, Hydration-wise, something that is easier, in my opinion, as long as people are focusing in on it. Um, so, you know, taking some sort of electrolyte, consuming food that maybe even has those electrolytes in there. Um, however, the fluids are usually easier, especially right off the bat where they might not be super hungry. Um, so, you know, I always say even something like liquid IV is a good option, um, but something that has... Sodium, potassium, those are going to be like your two big ones. And I always say more sodium than there is potassium because you sweat out sodium in the largest amount. Um, And then when, you know, again, kind of going back to that sugar top, people also forget that, you know, glucose plays a role in your hydration as well. Um, You know, glucose helps get that hydration status into your body quicker is the easiest way to kind of explain that. Um, plus for these people who are trying to replenish their glucose stores, carbs, easy, sugar. So the sports drinks are an easy one, um, or just something of that nature. 
And then protein is something else that we're going to want to focus in on. So I always say if you can get in like 20 to 40 grams sometime within about an hour after whatever that workout is, that's going to be at least a kickstart to your recovery process. But you really kind of have to start focusing in on those meals too sometime within that like at least three to four hours after and not really neglecting that. Because again, sometimes people, you know, they're done, they're tired. They don't want to worry about it, but it actually, you know, is something that they kind of need to. And especially if you're doing any sort of like overnight thing, again, kind of going in and planning that post-workout as well. Um, Cause that post-workout, you still got to get out tomorrow or whatever it is. So it's, it's still pertinent in that way. But obviously again, you have kind of new barriers in that aspect, you know, for instance, someone who's backpacking, your food's probably dehydrated. How are you kind of going about and getting those nutrients that you need? Well, while you're in that kind of position, you know, I always say too, especially with the backpackers and the dehydrated food, it adds in a few other different complications. Again, that people don't think about, um, you know, vitamin C, for instance, if you have dehydrated food, it's, you know, vitamin C is destroyed in heat dehydration. So that's going to be a nutrient of concern for anybody who's, you know, long distance backpacking and those people that are out there hiking the Appalachian or the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, same thing with like sulfur dioxide, it destroys diamond. These are different things that we're going to have to focus in on, on those dehydrated meals that most people probably don't think of beyond like, okay, carbs and protein, but where do those micronutrients come in when you're dehydrating your food? Um, you know, and people, again, who are going out there and actually doing these long distance hikes, they're probably not bringing a lot of fresh food. They're trying to save weight. Most of their meals are going to come from those dehydrated sources. Um, so all of it plays into it. Um, but, like, but like I said, the pre and post workout are probably the least complicated out of the two because it kind of falls into similar um, ranges as you would find with any sort of sports nutrition. That is so, that is something I didn't even really think about with the like dehydrated foods. Cause I feel like we think like refrigerated foods and then shelf stable foods. And we just take those out there and they'll be fine. But the heat plays a huge part in that. And I, I myself didn't think about this until just now until you're talking about it. Yeah. But that is so crazy to think about kind of from a micronutrient standpoint, how there could be like you could be depleted in nutrients within the food that you think you're normally getting them since you're out there for hours on end, those nutrients aren't really necessarily readily available for you. Yeah. And that's not even taking into consideration to, you know, the differences in what might happen to your body when you're at elevation or in a cold or climate, because both those situations right off the bat, your carb needs are going up and you already talked about how high they are. That's like another whole challenge on top of it. But especially with like the dehydrated food kind of situation, people just don't think about it. And it's one of those things that obviously it is very important. And, you know, again, you think of it this way, like, okay, well, this food would typically have the high in vitamin C, but now I'm dehydrating it. And people don't realize what is happening to that vitamin C if they're dehydrating it themselves. Um, if you go and buy like the store-bought kinds, obviously you're going to see the nutrition label there. You can kind of plan for that. Um, and sometimes things like that might have, you know, it added back to it or whatever. Um, but it just depends, but it's something that, you know, this is why we talk about, it and this is why we have these conversations because now people are at least aware that that's something they need to be focusing on that they probably didn't think about before, but I don't know. I mean, if I go on a day hike, I'm probably bringing things that are not shelf stable and it's like, it's one day I've never gone to sick. I don't know if that's a recommendation I make to people or not, but it, it's something that, you know, I do at least. Um, but it's, especially with those longer 
um, duration ones, that's when you really kind of have to worry about it. You know, you can, you know, fat spoils really quickly. You don't add fat to your dehydrated meals for that reason, because it'll go rancid. However, I will definitely bring cheese on a day hike without a doubt, without fail every time. So it's, it's just one of those things. And that goes back to being very individualized. Like, are you just hiking today? Just once in a while? If so, cool. You're dehydrated. Whatever's going to be fine. Are you someone who is like competitively doing this, that, and the other, where you're doing this all the time, maybe like the recommendations will be different. So that's why sports RDs exist. (laughs) And food preference too. I mean, people think going back to that appetite thing, if you bring something you are not going to want to eat, you are especially not going to want to eat it when you are exhausted and have no appetite. Um, And this is something we actually kind of see a lot, especially with hikers, um, because, you know, you have I'm going to use the term like granola, um, where, you know, you have those granola girls and they're very, you know, earthy and they're kind of more cautious about, you know, maybe what they're eating in terms of the environment and things like that. So they're eating a lot of foods that maybe are, you know, healthy, but maybe not the best on the trail. Um, Maybe they're just not as caloric dense as they could be um, and things like that. And maybe that's just not something that's that appetizing. You know, I, obviously I'm a dietitian. I like a lot of healthy foods, but, you know, for instance, I don't really like nuts. I've never really liked nuts. Obviously, that's something I would recommend people take. But if you were someone like me, and I went and I just brought trail mix, thinking, "Woo, it's calorie dense. You know, I got some protein, some fat. Like it's gonna be great. You can throw in, you know, some chocolate chips, get some sugar in." I'm probably not gonna touch it, and I'm especially not gonna touch it when I'm a few miles in and just don't want anything. Because you're also your hunger is your hunger cues really aren't fully always there. Like sometimes I will go hiking and you'll, you'll eventually kind of that hunger might kick up, but there are plenty of times where you'll go hours and you've burned a ton of calories, but you just have zero appetite. You're not hungry. It's not there. And you kind of have to actually time out your eating plan because otherwise you're just going to keep going. And then again, going back to that bonking, that's when that's going to happen. Cause you didn't realize, or maybe you realize and you just kind of like, okay, I'm fine for now. I'm not hungry. I can push it off later. And then all of a sudden you hit that wall. That's such a good point. The preference part, like everyone's so different. Well, Lee, we like to ask our guests after we kind of go through the, the bulk of the chat to kind of provide any final thoughts you might have that you didn't already talk about and then kind of give like a nice summary of, you know, all of this, like with a little bow on top, if you could kind of deliver it in a few little sentences. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we talked kind of about a lot, um, but I think really what this mostly comes down to is one, if you are somebody who even has kind of like a hobby, it doesn't mean like you don't need to be in a competition to kind of reap the benefits of having some sort of nutrition consultations or working with a dietitian, whatever it is, and kind of focusing in on these little aspects. Um, you know, when we talk about sports, I think people immediately think that competitiveness, but you know, we can translate that into a lot of, you know, think about competition with yourself. And like I said, to kind of, you know, maybe you're trying to beat your own time, or maybe you just want to get out there and physically feel your best that can still warrant having these sessions with a dietitian. Um, so kind of being able to differentiate between those two things and realizing that it's okay to see somebody, if you have even just, you know, a sport as a hobby, that's totally valid. Um, and then I guess the second thing is really just, you know, remembering how important these things can be again, not even just for the sake of, um, that personal record time and all of those different things. But for, you know, again, with these kind of sort of outdoor sports where you have a little bit more risk involved, the actual safety aspect of that. Um, Cause that's something to, you know, you don't get to redo, you don't get to fix those mistakes again. Like if you're in that situation, it can end up so bad so quickly. 
and that prevention is always going to be better than kind of trying to, you know, figure it out later on and, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah. I like how you said like anyone, even like recreationally, because it kind of applies, I think big time where I really see it the most is like people who like weightlift recreationally and they get like personal trainers and dietitians to kind of make sure they're just like feeling their bodies right, doing the workouts properly from the personal trainer side of things. Like you don't have to be this competitive, like basketball player to benefit from getting some education, education, some counseling, whatever it might be. So I think that's a really good point to bring up. Yeah. And I think too, especially when people talk about, you know, sports nutrition and athletes, like they think of it, like you have to be, a you know, what they're considering an athlete, but you know, an athlete isn't just somebody who's out there on a competitive team. Like you yourself can just be an athlete and that still counts. Exactly that. I like how you ended that. Sure. But <laughs> cool. So Leah, we always like ending our episodes with a bonus question. And this is kind of like a little bit, we always like to do something fun for, to get away from the more serious topic. And it can sometimes be a debate, but it's more so just us sharing our opinions. (laughs) (laughs) So we always like to have our guests first. So our guests have our guests start first. I skipped a word there, (laughs) but when it comes to breakfast sandwiches, what is your preferred source of the vehicle for the vehicle (laughs) the options are bagel english muffin or biscuit tell us what you choose and kind of why so i feel like i should preface this by saying that i have very strong food opinions and they're never the popular ones um you know this goes with anything like i think frozen pizzas are better than like the type you get from a pizza shop so i don't know well Take what you want with that information. We go through this at work a lot that I have very unpopular food opinions. Um, So my unpopular food opinion here is that I actually don't love breakfast. Um, Like breakfast foods, I should say. People seem to be like blown away by that. Like I'm like, I could care less about like eggs and pancakes and bacon and all that fun stuff. Um, I do eat those foods every now and then, including breakfast sandwiches. Um, So with that being said, strongly would be the English muffin, um, which I think, again, surprises people. Um, You know, my thought process here. The English muffin has a good ratio. The bagel to me is is too bready, unless you put a lot of like the inside stuff. And I also think bagels are kind of boring on their own. So maybe like if you were choosing like an onion bagel with your breakfast sandwich or like a jalapeno bagel, like something different, it might be my, my opinion might change a little bit. Um, and then I can't actually say I've never had a biscuit breakfast sandwich. So I feel like I can't genuinely give my opinion on that. Um, that's not as common in new England. Uh, that might be, <laughs> so I don't know, like there's definitely probably places I could find a, like a breakfast sandwich on a biscuit, but most places you would go for a breakfast sandwich. I feel like the options are either an English muffin or a bagel around here at least. Interesting. I so interesting. <laughs> I love a breakfast sandwich and like breakfast in general. So I'm blown away by people who say they don't just like die for breakfast. Usually <laughs> people are. I I I did say that it was an unpopular opinion. You did. You did. You prefaced that very well. Um, Emily. Okay. I would love to hear your thoughts. My answer is going to be bagel, and it's because I love how much bread there is. I know. You- 
say that there are two different people. kinds of people <laughs> i am uh i love a lot of bread type of person i also just feel like i like the feel of it better i feel like i could put more in it whereas i get really annoyed when like stuff falls off my sandwiches so i feel like an english muffin i feel like that's understandable i get that <laughs> so that's why I, but i would definitely agree where it would have to be a like special type of bagel i don't think i could do just like a, if I was doing a plain bagel, I'd probably just do like cream cheese and that's it. Yeah. It has to be like an onion or everything bagel or something like that. I'm yeah. sure it also depends too, like the, the, not like the brand of bagel, but yes. Like, are you going somewhere where they just like made bagels? Cause I'm sure that tastes Ooh. way better than like, <laughs> if you just went and bought like, you know, a store brand bagel or whatever it is. That's true. Um, right. Right. So I feel like there's a lot of different things that kind of play into here, but I, I do think overall, I'm more of an English muffin person, but even just like, if I, again, if I were just making like scrambled eggs and I needed like a bread source with it, I would choose like an English muffin with just like a little bit of butter on it versus a bagel hmm. nine out of 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Hannah, I want to hear what your thoughts are. <laughs> well, I, our, I don't think any of us will say the same thing. No. Maybe and <laughs> our religious listeners know that my answer is always different. Like I can't ever like pick something. I'm not a very strongly opinionated food person because I love everything. And like, I like variety. So I would eat all three of these, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, bagel, English muffin biscuit. Like I like to have variety more so than like one thing I kind of stick with for a long time. Um, so that said, my answer is IDK. Um, I don't have a hard answer. <laughs> um, I will say, I think bagel is not my first choice because of the breadiness. Like you said, Leah, I think it's just not a good ratio unless you do go hard with like the, the insides. Uh, I, I love like it. Be dry. I don't know. Again, I know. I agree. I'm the same way, even with like sandwiches, like I don't love sandwiches and it's mm. that, that bread to inside ratio. Yeah, exactly. Just, 100% how how I feel about the sandwich exactly I have to say I also this is very weird this is gonna like make my answer not make sense I don't like sandwiches <laughs> because of how much bread there is but I think I think I just love bagels I think that's what I love it bagels is. I just I would rather bagels I, versus I, like I would eat anything with a bagel <laughs> yeah bagels versus like sliced sandwich bread are two very different things so yeah. I feel like I get that I don't think it's as weird as you think it is yeah we should do like the best just like bread as one of our questions for a future episode Emily just what's the best bread yeah I don't know like make a question we'll say that like I think <laughs> cool. um I will say hey, you still have to give us an answer I know <laughs> this is what I do okay so biscuits are really great but if they're too dry which can happen a lot that ruins the whole sandwich so I think just for safety of like it always being good, I'm going to have to go with English muffin because an English muffin breakfast sandwich is like always good no matter what. So I totally agree with you, Lee, on this one. Yeah, that's a correct answer. So Yeah, that's the right one. Emily, you're outnumbered. You're out of here. <laughs> I'll take this loss. <laughs> you did I'll your best. I'll take all the bagels happily. That's true. <laughs> she gets them all. Yeah. <laughs> Well, cool. Leah, this is kind of your time to let our listeners know where they can find you, kind of plug any of your stuff. Um, yeah, give them the lowdown. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only hiking dietitian. Um, so TikTok, Instagram, my handle is all the same. It's just at the hiking dietitian, like the.hiking.dietitian. Um, my website is also www 
thehikingdietitian.com. Um, if you literally went to Google and you typed in hiking dietitian, I am what comes up because I don't think there's a ton. It's very niche. Um, so that's where you can find me. Um, if anyone wanna come say hi, I always love chatting with people. So always open to that, but thank you for having me. Of course, yeah, we will share the links down below, but um, I love, I think that's oh, such a good niche. I just like love that. Yeah. <laughs> It's something, like, that, you know, yeah. it's something I don't feel is super overdone, but there's still, there's still a, a need for it. It's just yeah. a need that I don't think people fully realize all the time. So it, it's unique in that way. Definitely. Yeah. And from like a business standpoint, it's so good to like niche down like that. So that's so cool to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still, I don't know. I still like, I have a niche, but then I still feel like it's sometimes broad and, you know, yeah. I still get a lot of people who come to me for like weight loss and you know, if you guys have obviously been following me, you guys have kind of heard my standpoint on that already as well. Um, so niching is hard. They don't talk yeah. about that when you're like creating. No, like that. no they do not. the worst part. I will hands down <laughs> tell you that that in taxes, the worst part. Yes. Emily and I always in talk about that. Tax season. Yes. <laughs> well, Leah, thank you again yeah. so, so much for being on today. It's going to be a really good episode. I, I keep saying this, but it's like such a cool niche we don't ever talk about. So this will be a definitely one of a kind episode to share with our listeners. Um, again, we'll share all those links down below, but otherwise we will see you guys all next week. Thank you. Yes. All right, everyone. Have a great one. Rest of your day. We'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your host, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.